Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 10 of Ray Keating's Authors and Entrepreneurs podcast. I have a special guest who I will tell you about in just a moment. First, in terms of introduction, I'm Ray Keating, your host and the author of the Pastor Stephen Grant novels, which are available at Amazon.com in both paperback and for the Kindle. Uh, signed copies can be purchased over at RayKeatingOnline.com. And by the way, we are running uh, big sales on Kindle editions and signed books uh, right now while we're waiting for the next Pastor Stephen Grant novel to be published. Uh, the title of that book will be Reagan Country. So it's a great time to get on board, get somebody else on board, or just get caught up on all seven books that are out there now. Uh, in addition, I'm a nonfiction book author. Please check out Chuck vs. the Business World, Business Tips on TV, based on the TV show Chuck, jam-packed with kind of well, tips for your career, your business. And that book is available in paperback and for the Kindle at Amazon or over at RayKeatingOnline.com. I'm also a columnist and an economist. For good measure, I taught MBA students for 10 years about entrepreneurship, innovation, the economy, and a whole bunch of other management topics. While this podcast is mainly targeted at readers and book lovers in general, authors, aspiring authors, entrepreneurs, and aspiring entrepreneurs, obviously everybody is welcome to tune in. Now, I'm very pleased to have Tyrell Bramwell as my guest. He is a Lutheran pastor at a parish in California, and he is an author. His first book was The Gift and the Defender. I immensely enjoyed that novel. Uh, it's first in a series, by the way. And I gave it a thumbs-up review, which I will link to uh, in the show notes. His second book is titled Finding the Truth in Story, Grimm's Fairy Tales, Volume 1. I admit I have not yet read that book, but it is on my list, or as I like to refer to it, my pile of to-be-read-and-reviewed books. Tyrell, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ray. It's great to be here. Well, I'm so glad that we're able to talk. We've uh, we've chatted, if you will, via Facebook, uh, places like that, but I'm glad that you were able to carve out some time and, and be with me on this podcast. So let's say before we get into your your journey as a writer, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey on the pastor side of things, uh, becoming a pastor, being a pastor today? Why don't you give us a quick quick uh, rundown or background on that? Sure, it'd be my pleasure. Um, well, first, I'm originally from Wyoming, so being a California guy, kind of a little bit of a fish out of water, but uh, definitely loving being out here. Uh, I uh, I worked in the oil field before I dove into this life as a pastor, oil and gas industry in Wyoming. And so this is sort of a second life for me. Um, I already was married and had kids. And then we decided the Lord was calling me into this work. And uh, yeah, so it was quite the road. I had no um, higher education after high school. So I had to do the whole eight years in one shot uh, rather than you know going off to college for four and then later deciding to to go to seminary and do that four. I did almost a decade of <laughs> education wow. with the family. Right, right. Yeah. So it was fun. It, it, you, you mentioned it as a journey, and that's exactly what it was, a journey. Yeah, I bet. That's, that's interesting. From You know, I, I, I find it fascinating. It, my own son is – my oldest son is becoming uh, – he's, he's studying to become a pastor. Um, actually, I believe where you went, uh, the seminary in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, great, great. And it's always fascinating to see the background – uh, of people in terms of what they're, you know, where they came from, whether they went straight from college into something like that, or if they, 
they had a more uh, circuitous journey, if you will. Um, but uh, look at me, I'm 54 years old, and I've been an economist for my adult life, but I keep longing to be a, a novelist. So there you go. <laughs> That's right. Isn't it interesting how that works? You know, we, we oftentimes get in our own way, I think, and we say, oh, I can't go do this, or I can't go do that. But uh, nope, you're, uh, you're a testament to it. You can. Yeah, you can. And it's, uh, it, there are sacrifices involved, but you can do it. So let's, let's talk about then you, you obviously got, you were bitten by the writing bug. Uh, how, when, and why did that come about? Well, it's interesting. It's, it's very much parallels wanting to be a pastor. And I, I think I've mentioned this once or twice before in other places, maybe on my website or, or uh, talking to people online that, uh, I can still recall teaching a uh, Sunday school, I think it was the high school group or the junior high group, and I was teaching. And some some young man asked me, if you could do anything, Mr. Bramwell, what would you do? And the two, I gave him two options. I said, well, I'd love to be a pastor, but I'd also love to be a writer. And so right away, those two things have, have always sort of been joined to the hip for me. Um, always loved stories, storytelling, and just communicating with the written word, I guess. Well, that's interesting. That's one of the questions I had uh, down my list a little bit in terms of how do your, how do those vocations, those two different vocations as a pastor and a writer, how do they tie into each other or do they? And apparently they do for you. They um, do for me in a great way. Yeah. Yeah. T- t- well, tell me a little more about that. Um, you know, does it help you? Does one help the other? You know, is there a, a cross pollination, if you will, in terms of what oh. you're doing? Absolutely. They go hand in hand or maybe it's hand in glove. Uh, I'll probably butcher the metaphor, but yeah, it's a bipolar. It's a parallel vocations. I see it as, um, I hope the goal is that being a good pastor slash theologian, working with God's word faithfully would then help me to communicate well as a writer, um, to communicate words faithfully and, and clearly, things like that. And then vice versa, being a good writer, being a good storyteller would help me to communicate well um, God's word. So there's two, those two things, the, the skills I refine in the one realm help me to do the other job and the, and the skills I develop in that vocation help me to do the other one. So I see them as symbiotic for sure. Right. And that's, um, you know, I often, over the years, you know, I wrote a, a newspaper column on Long Island, a weekly column for Newsday for about 12 years. And I was blessed to be able to write on some religious topics. And I interviewed a whole host of pastors and priests uh, over the years. And it was very interesting because essentially what, you know, obviously with a different audience, a different objective in mind, but, you know, what I was doing as a weekly columnist, you essentially do as a pastor. I mean, you have to write your you know, your weekly sermon, I had to rake my weekly column, if you will. So it's, um, and look, well, let me, let me ask a little bit more about that. Do you, um, do you find the, the, the deadline, if you will, of writing a, uh, a sermon, does that help or hinder you in terms of what you're trying to get done? I find it helps. I really, um, I think the pressure adds to my my productivity if and I, I don't like to use the word productivity it kind of makes it sound sterile but the the pressure of getting it done that deadline looming helps motivate me and actually I find that it helps um, sharpen me case right. in, case in point uh, this past advent 
as if I didn't have enough to do with midweek services and coming Christmas and all this, uh, I was struck and stricken by a muse and I ended up working on a book uh, in my spare time, <laughs> just added pressure, right? My wife looked at me like right. I was nuts. What are you doing? You, <laughs> don't you have enough sermons to write and you know all this stuff? And Yeah, I, I kind of thrive on it, I think. Well, uh, yeah, and that's, I think, well, you're a true writer then because, you know, and let me ask you, do you, you know, while we're on this area in this area here, tell us a little bit about that writing process. You know, where do you write when, um, you know, and, and I guess if you want to carve it out, whether, you know, well, on the book writing, I do this on sermon writing, I do this, however you want to answer that question. But yeah. And the other question that I'll throw in the mix, it sounds like you enjoy it. But do you? Because I've I've been I've, I'm fascinated by how many writers I've come across over the years, including a partner of mine that I wrote the newspaper column with for probably the first five or six years, um, and he hated the writing process. He really did. He liked the end product, but he hated the process. So tell tell us a little bit about that. Your process, uh, books, sermons, and and do you love it? Okay, yeah, uh, definitely love it. Both and uh, sermons and. Um books and, and uh, even Bible studies, writing any of this content. I, I do. I love it all. It is a different process for the sermons because of that weekly deadline. Um, it's much more of an organized process where I, I start my week off in the same sort of way, looking at the text and start my study. And I sort of gently, that first uh, Monday, Tuesday, even Sunday afternoon, Monday, Tuesday, I start sort of wading into the pool of the material and then by deadline time, at the end of my week, I'm really sort of starting to crank it out. But I've had that time of letting it saturate. Um, with the books, it's a little different in that – and I, honestly, I'm working on this, trying to hone this down and, and really figure out a system that works that's much more organized like the sermon side of things. Right now, it's a little more chaotic. It's um, when I'm hit with something, when it's just I can't – not think about it. I write mm -hmm. it. I, I pound it out. I put it out there. Uh, in a, it's usually the ugliest format you could think of. It's nasty <laughs> and messy, but I just got to get it out. And then I get it out. And then later I come back and do the revision process and uh, I can kind of gingerly take my time. And, and at that point, it starts to look more like the sermon writing process where I wade into the pool, you know, inch by inch rather than just jumping in. But there's that initial jump in that puts it all on the paper. And and to me, that's a little too chaotic. I'd like to figure out a way of uh, organizing that, but I'm not right. sure how to do that yet. Well, especially when you have that, you know, that full-time gig as a pastor. So. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. With, yeah. The daytime, the daytime oh, and your family. And so yeah, exactly. All these vocations that we wrestle with and juggle. It's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, believe me, I understand. Um, I, you know, I used to be, a, I, I've gone through phases in my writing over the year where with everything else going on, uh, you know, I've always got a lot going on, but sometimes it's a little more organized. And then I, you know, I know that I can carve out this part of the day or to, to do a little book work, but then there are other times where it's just literally, Oh, look, I have, you know, an hour here and it doesn't matter if it's 10 o'clock at night or six o'clock in the morning, you just take advantage of it when you can. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, well, t all right. So tell us a little bit about your, your two books. As I said, I read the, the gift and the defender. Uh, I reviewed it. I loved it. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Um, without giving away too much because we want people to read it. Sure. Well, uh, this is a, this, this will always be a special book for me, not only because it's the first, but 
it took the longest to write. I hope I never have to do this again. This one was hatched as a high school project, actually, a high school paper. Um, and I took the creative writing assignment and it always just sort of, it buried itself in the back of my brain. And through my oil field days, I would think on it and sort of start to uh, embellish on it. And eventually it became the novel. Um, so yeah, it's uh, two parallel stories. And one set in our day and age and one set in this fantasy realm. Uh, kind of like what you would expect with a C.S. Lewis, you know, Chronicle of Narnia kind of a thing, where you have uh, England and also Narnia, that kind of an idea. But uh, not to be repetitive or imitative, you know, I take it in a different direction. And the whole idea is to express Christian truth, to express the biblical worldview in a fun story, and and not to. Not to make it sappy or not to sprinkle Jesus on it, but to actually let the story stand in its own integrity, on its own two feet, but that it's coming from my heart, you know, that the author's the author's perspective shines through. And and the original goal is I, I remember, you know, newlywed, I was probably a couple of years out of high school, and I'm sitting there thinking about this uh the story and making it into a novel. And my wife asked me, What's the goal? What what do you want to do with this book? And I remember telling her that we're, we're in a, and, I, and this is from a, now I have a lot better perspective on what I was saying at the time. I was sort of shooting from the hip, but um, right. what I was seeing is that a lot of my peers, a lot of my friends were losing sort of that Christian heritage. They, they were abandoning the Western worldview. And I thought, well, what if, what if there was a story out there that expressed Christian thought, but, in the uh, not so overt a way. What if we could right. creep in the back door and give mm-hmm. them something that they could enjoy and they could sort of romanticize on and, and cling to. So that's, that ultimately ended up being the goal with the book that it's something that um, maybe a gateway into the faith. There's some ideas and some philosophies in there that people might cling to and like, but if they knew right away they were Christian, they might reject offhand, you know, Right. And that's, you know, that's very interesting because, you know, in, in a very different genre, obviously, in terms of my books, the, my, my thinking is somewhat similar in terms of, you know, how do you um, communicate, you know, the story that you want to, you, you, you want to communicate with the, with the message, but the message doesn't overwhelm the story, that the message just becomes kind of a natural part of it and you're not hitting people over the head with a two by four. And and I think that's one of the, you know, listen, I have great admiration for anybody that sits down and try and writes and, and tries to write a book and so on. So I, I, I'm always, I, I'm more careful today, <laughs> once I, especially once I wrote a novel about being uh, critical than, than I perhaps where it was in my younger days. But, you know, there is something to be said for um, not hitting people over the heads, getting your message across, but doing it in a way that is entertaining. Um, and the characters are more, um, I don't know if you want to say believable, but you know, a little more layered and so on. And rather than, I hate to say, but some Christian fiction just doesn't. You know, yeah. So much just, of it falls flat on that regard. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm a firm believer that if you can capture the reader's imagination, you can capture the reader's heart. I really think that's true. 
Yeah, and you know what? The it, the in terms of where our culture has gone, it you can't deny it because I, I, quite frankly, I mean, one of my concerns and things I've written about over the years is that you know whether say Christians, you know, I happen to also be you know a conservative. I'm I guess I'm a conservative Christian, but you know when we abandon areas of the culture, um, well, we you, you pay a price for that, and I think I think Christians have done that to a significant. Uh, extent and and you know that you know I, I've known too many uh, people over the years commentators I mean deep thinkers people that I admire very much but when you start you, you bring up things like novels or uh, you know even you know God forbid television or movies and so on they, they kind of well that's not I don't bother with that it's like well the problem is is that not enough of a you know too few of us are bothering with that and we're paying a price for it. That's right. That's right. We've abandoned the um, the storytellers. Our poets are no longer Christian thinkers. They're, we've abandoned it to the uh, unbeliever. And that's a big part yep. of what we're seeing. That's right. Uh, to, you know, more to the story itself with the gift and the defender. Mm-hmm. Um, both worlds, there's two, two stories running parallel and they're, they're both sort of um, positing this idea of, of consequences to th- to actions and thoughts. Um, I'm actually running a campaign on my Instagram right now, just a little subtle thing. I mean, saying it like that makes it sound a lot bigger. Um, But just with some images and some, these little video things where the the main character in one of the story, in one of the worlds, he can think. And as he thinks things through, they become reality. You know, he has the power to change the world with his mind. And that is a, that is a exactly what we're talking about with our culture in the world we live in. We, our thoughts and what comes out of our, our brains, our hearts, they impact the world we live in. And we just don't normally think about it as, um, as consequential as I portray it in the book. You know, in the book, uh-huh. he, he thinks about uh, turning a, uh, an alarm clock into a clown and all of a sudden it's the shape of a clown or something like that. Right. Um, but that is the reality in a sense with ideas have consequences and what we think and how we act. Uh, impacts our neighbor. And so there's that going on in the contemporary world, but the same thing is mirrored in the fantasy world with the, the knights and the battles and the, this sort of thing. And there's one man who has to either rise up or crumble under, under the pressure of, of his actions and what, what he'll do. So if your listeners want to hear a little bit more about that, that's kind of gets to the meat of the story itself, consequences and thoughts. Yep, and as I said, I, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, I really did. And 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 now, before before we get to the second, this is first in a series, correct? Yes. So yeah. there, there Lumen, are more coming. There's more coming. Right? Lumen Legend series is what we're calling it. That's right. Okay. Do you want to give us a hint on anything coming, or you know, sure, you're I'm, not ready uh, to do that? No, that's fine. The the, um, the next book, the book two, uh, still haven't settled on a title, working title, something along the lines of, uh, well, let's not even go there. Who knows? It'll it'll probably change, but. Um, it, it sets up that fantasy world a little more. It's, it's almost a prequel in that regard. And it deals with, um, again, my pastor side shines through with the idea that uh, all, all the different religions in the world, all the different cultures sort of have similar uh, myths or similar, similar stories, sort of like Noah's flood, you know, how other cultures have a, a flood story, that kind of idea. And, and so I took a look at, dragons and uh, since i'm already dealing with fantasy and how all cultures have a commonality with the dragon story and uh just sort of playing with what that means 
uh, from that perspective. So it's, it's, it's a fun story. It's a little more lighthearted than book one. It's a, I think I've grown as an author and it's not, uh, not as slow. It'll be a little more fast paced and uh, I think readers should enjoy it. Good. It's funny how that works, right? You know, it's funny. I, I know an author friend of mine who said, uh, who said to me, well, what I've always heard is your, your first novel is your best novel. And I, that went against my grain in, in every sense, <laughs> because I, I'm a big believer in the more you do something, the better you get at it. I mean, to me, that's just kind of, I guess, my economist in me, but, sure. but that's just, it's logical. It would seem like the more you do it, the better you get. And, and I would say with my books, um, you know, I think I've, I've improved as a, as a novelist, uh, with each one, hopefully, uh, at least in my own view. Well, that's but, the goal, right? Practice um, makes perfect. And yeah. Push and talk. Yeah, that's that. exa- yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And what about uh, your your most recent book? Tell us a little bit about that, which I, as I said, I have not read, but um, I it's in my it's, it's on, on my your pile. Uh, I loved my, how you said that. Yes, <laughs> I totally relate. In my study right now at the church, I have this pile of ever growing pile of books that's floating because I got to move it out of my way. <laughs> Yeah, my, my wife's not too happy about it because my home office is – you know, I've had a home office since 1991, and it does tend to get unruly, and all of a sudden it, it finds its way into other rooms. So I have to periodically rein it in. Well, but anyway, I, go ahead. Tell, I gotta tell, tell us you, about this. I got to tell you, though, when I see your videos online, your Facebook Live videos and things like that, I always want to look through your pile behind you because I see those some of those books. and uh, I keep thinking that it's going to topple over <laughs> on me when I'm doing it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, the dogs are going to run in here and the pile's going to go over and I'll have to start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Right, right. But finding the truth in story, yeah, it's this is uh, interesting how this came about. It's a commentary, a Christian reading of 25 of the Grimm's Brothers fairy tales. And my wife and I had bought my my daughter uh the unabridged Grimm's fairy tales, all 200 and like, I think 10 of them, whatever it is. Uh one of those sets all in one volume and we got it for her for Christmas and she just devoured it. She loves to read. And so I was looking at it and I started skimming through it one, one evening and, and I like to write in my books. So, uh, I quickly gave her book back and went down and bought my own so I could write in it and underline and things like that. And as I was going through, I thought, well, man, there are so many Christian themes in these stories. They're just popping out at me. I couldn't resist. So I started writing down what I was seeing and and this first book started as a series of blog posts that I was using to kind of try to drive traffic toward my toward my uh, website, and um, just compiled them all. When I got to twenty five, I called it quits, just so I could put them all into one volume. And um, I'm working on volume two, which will be another twenty five, and then hopefully we'll get through all two hundred and ten. And yeah, offer a Christian reading of these fairy tales. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to reading that. Um, and why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the public, how you, well, Grell Quest books. So what's their mission and what's the role with you? Um, somebody had mentioned to me that they're kind of a, a place where various indie writers or indie publishers have come together under one roof. Is that accurate? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it is. Um, different writers bring their own creative works to Grail Quest. They're, I mean, they definitely want to support self-publishing authors. Now it's a little different with me. They they do run a couple um, a year. They'll they'll try to work on a couple themselves and have an 
actually published by GrillQuest, which is what they did with the Gift and the Defender. I, I desperately needed an editor on board. I needed some help. And so they, um, you know, they, it's a little more than self publishing in my regard, but they do. They, they bring a bunch of creatives together, people that are like minded in this regard, want to put out story and theology um, under one umbrella. And they try to, all of us try to sort of uh, help each other out and support one another in all well, all ways, whether it's brainstorming, you know, hey guys, what do you think about this idea? What do you think about that idea? Or mm-hmm. even cross marketing, you know, hey, here's what I got going on. If you want to share it with your people, you know, that kind of a thing. Sometimes it doesn't even, you're not even asking. It's just, they're so uh, supportive that they just see what you're doing and they automatically are trying to help you out. So it's a very loose, but also a focused group of, of authors and creative, I'd say creatives in general, because there's illustrators and uh, uh, artists with the you know, book cover type stuff going on and illustrators like that. So uh, it's a wonderful thing. I'm, I'm really glad I found them. That's yeah, that sounds, uh, that's fantastic. It's one of those examples of what can develop in this marketplace now, given the technology that we have. Um, that's right. And yeah. And the alternatives that, that are there for, uh, for authors, uh, illustrators, et cetera. And then obviously the benefits to readers in terms of getting, you know, more products out there for them to choose. from. That's right. You know, they're really leveraging this, uh, this technology that we have at our hands at our disposal. Now they're, they're taking advantage of that. That's uh, a husband, wife, uh, team that, has started grail quest books and they're both what's great about it is they're both authors and uh, artists themselves. And so they understand the value of the work that goes into creating books. They love mm-hmm. it. They have an appreciation for it. And, and they're definitely entrepreneurs in their own right. They want to use every advantage we have now at, at our disposal and, and get the words out there. Well, you hit that word entrepreneur. So we're, you know, we're about authors and entrepreneurs here and that, you know, I've been hammering away telling people that authors are entrepreneurs. Do you think of yourself that way? Yeah, I actually do. Um, I am starting to use the term authorpreneur. <laughs> I like, I've seen that t- term. I like yeah, that. I've seen, I like I've it. bumped into that and that's, that's exactly what it is. To be an author, I think you have to, you have to have that mindset. Um, whether you're publishing through a, um, uh, a fixed large publishing house, you know, with a long history or not, you have to be willing to market your own uh, brand, your own work. Uh, I, th- I think I've heard you say, listening to some of your podcasts before and even some of your wisdom online, just um, if you're not willing to promote yourself, no one else is going to do it for you, which is hard for Lutherans. <laughs> it's hard for. Yeah, I, I think that's right. You're the best uh, salesperson. Uh, for your work. Although I understand, you know, so many writers just don't like that. And I get it. You know, they, they want to write and they would love to hand it off to somebody. And if they can manage to do that, that's great. But I think um, even if you have, uh, you know, even if you're not an indie writer, indie publisher, and you have somebody else uh, publishing for you, you're still going to have to to get out there and, uh, and, and sell your books. And you know what, you're, you're a true entrepreneur and that you've created something <clears throat> you own it, you operate it, if you will. So um, you're the best person to get out there and, and to tell people about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it, you're right. It's hard. Um, as a writer, I want to spend a lot of my time writing. I do. I, I, I understand that completely, but I'm starting to learn. I'm learning to appreciate 
the interaction with readers and the, you know, the getting out there, even on, even just online, we talk about getting out there, but so much of the entrepreneurship can be done online these days and creating, it's, it's more creating content. You know, it's the, it's kind of the same aspect with the online version of, of, uh, marketing your your book you're still creating content you're creating instagram posts you're creating facebook headers you're creating whatever um that's the same kind of creative vein that you do with your book and i think that's a great way to think about it you know if you if you can go to the writer and, and, and approach him from that angle i think that's great to say that this is part of the creative process um, I think they'll, they'll think about it a little differently. So that's, that's a good way to come, to come at it. And I think the reader is, you know, the reader is different today than, you know, just like any customer, the consumer in general, um, in terms of what's happened with technology and, uh, authors are much more accessible. And there is a certain, if there isn't an expectation of, from the reader that they might, they, they're going to have some sort of interaction with the author. The author needs to understand that if you're able to do that, it's just an enormous benefit. And you're not doing it in a fake way, um, but doing it in a in a way that you know you're you're truly reaching out and talking to uh, people that that are that support you. And whether it's via you know as we've mentioned, uh, say Facebook or Twitter or you know your website or videos. Um, and that's a great experience. I, I mean, I don't know how much you've had on that, but my, my experience with readers in that way has just been wonderful. And quite frankly, the you know, listen, I've been around this long enough as a newspaper columnist and so on that, you know, usually the feedback you get is not so nice, you know, especially oh. when you're writing a newspaper column. But I'll say that it's something different with with these books. There are still people that are more than happy to tell you that, you know, you can't write worth whatever, but, uh, but it's, it's um, when you get people to get interested when they become interested in your books, it's, it's a great encouragement. They're just such yes. nice individuals in terms of what they say to you. It's really refreshing. Yeah. Case in point, I, I can tell you a personal story with the gift and the defender. I had um, right before seminary, I finished up my undergrad at Concordia Ann Arbor and I had started to get back into my book. I had put it on the shelf for a while to study and to focus on school. And I, I had mentioned it a couple of times to some of my theology profs at uh, Ann Arbor there, and there was some interest. So I shared it with one in particular, and he read it, and he had some feedback. And so I started – it piqued my interest to get back into it. And so I self-published it. I created the cover for m- myself, and I, I did all, everything myself. That was my first experience with all this new technology and Amazon and, and all this kind of stuff. And then I got a review, my first review, and it was awful. <laughs> and it deflated yeah. my spirit so much so that I put the book right back on the shelf. And I didn't touch it again until after seminary. Oh, okay. You know, it just c- completely crushed me. And I still, to this day, it's up there. I, I tried to figure out a way of getting it down and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, I was just like, no, this is going to forever taint you know, the – taste in everyone's mouth and um but then when you find someone like my interaction with girl quest books and i had people who read my story and they said positive things about it they they enjoyed it it was valuable to them things like that and then you're going oh okay i i want to keep doing this this is okay there's some value here there's some worth yeah though you got to develop thick skin for sure 
But yeah, well, that you know, that was one of the fortunate things with my background in terms of coming from coming from newspaper columns and and writing policy stuff. Um, you know, you, you cannot write a weekly newspaper column with a thin skin. It just I imagine <laughs> it cannot happen. It cannot happen. So that was that was a big plus for me, and I've become over the years somewhat, um, you know. Uh, you know, a, a thick skin in terms of certain criticisms. Although I have to say, because for all those years that I wrote newspaper columns and policy work and so on and so on, uh, something about a novel was very different. And, you know, it's, it's like that all of a sudden the insecurities of the novelist, you know, entered my brain. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it was very, because I, I, you know, I wrote it, I would write other things and, and I would just kind of get across my point. And quite frankly, I didn't care it was kind of odd writing a newspaper column because you were in a sense, you were almost trying to get people, you know, you wanted the people on your side to come out, but you also wanted to get other people kind of engaged that disagreed with you. So it was kind of the nature of the beast that it was like, Oh, well, of course people are, you know, aren't going to like this, but that's kind of what I do. Uh, but the uh, novel is very, very different. And uh, it was very interesting to, to kind of, as I step back, look at myself in terms of each of these books. And they're still to this very day. I mean, I've had seven novels come out and I'm doing the eighth one. And there's still just something different about writing these in terms of feedback than, than when I do columns and things like that. But it's, uh, it is a tremendous, uh, plus and, and it just, it kind of gives you this, as you say, the positive feedback, um, gives you that boost to, to keep on doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. So let's let's uh, maybe wrap this up with, or maybe almost wrap it up. But what's your? You've been writing a bit now. What's your best piece of advice, or maybe if you have two or three pieces of advice, one, two, three, whatever for for other authors, what would you what would you serve up? Number uh, one, them? first, I mean, totally for me um, is read. If you want to be in the business of working with words, be in words constantly. That's that's huge for me. I, I mean, I don't know how many times I I go to a book. I mean, even I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an avid reader. I read like crazy uh, theology and 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 fiction. I, I have to force myself to read a lot of fiction because I want to work with fiction. But I'm just always in books. But I like. I mean, and this is the thing. If you want to, especially if you want to be a self published or you want to go the indie route, and and that's totally uh, a respectable option these days. I love that. Uh, look at the craftsmanship. Go to books. I mean. You gotta, you're gonna do this, um, not only in how you shape your words, but how you lay the page out. How you, uh, I mean, what's the book look like? What's the point of this thing? It's it's a product in itself. That's my number one uh, piece of advice for authors: mm-hmm. is be in the, not the word, but that's a good piece of advice too. Be in, right. the, <laughs> be in words. You know, be in books. Read, read, read. And then I, I suppose right along with that is is right, you know, uh, experiment right. Just um, yeah. go with the flow, go with what comes to you. Uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. And uh, uh, I, I remember this. My wife gave me this advice. It's just common sense, I suppose. Um, I was working on the Gift and the Defender, and she's and I was sort of fretting over publishing, and I, I was still working on the rough draft. And she's like, "Just write it for yourself." Why are you so worried about publishing it? Just just write it. If you if you want to write it, write it. And that's that's always stuck with me. Worry yeah. about publishing it later. Write it for yourself. Write it because you want to. You have this idea. Give birth to it. You know, 
bring it bring it into the world and then and then see what happens with it right right and i and i think that's that's that it's not a a lot of people view it as a conflict if you will there shouldn't be a conflict. you you have a passion you want to be creative you have a vision so you go with that and you write it um maybe it, you know obviously we all do rewrites and things like that but um but as long as you're, you know, I mean, I don't want to make this sound like, you know, but, but as long as you are true to that, you know, what you're trying to do there, and this is what you really believe in, listen, you know, that that's the best you could do. And you put it out there and you see what, uh, what people say. And, and, you know, maybe there are certain things that once you get a feel for read, you know, the feedback from readers that you might adjust something here and there, but I, I don't say that in a sense of, um, compromising what you're doing. I say it in a sense of improving what you're doing because you're, you know, I, I love feedback. And, and, you know, we were talking about uh, sometimes negative feedback, positive feedback, but I like feedback. Yeah. Um, it comes from, I guess, my management stuff, but, but you want to hear those things. And as much as the negatives can hurt, if they are construct, you know, if they're, they're actually, if there's value in it, yeah. Mm-hmm. then you're going to be, you're going to be a better writer in the end. Right. Yep. And that's actually, that's really p- great piece of advice. I mean, write what you can with what you have now. Don't beat yourself up um, when it's done and, it, and it's not getting the, the rave reviews you'd hoped. You wrote the best story you could write at that time with what you had in your wheelhouse and your toolbox, work with it. And and then take that information you're getting back and make it better next time. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Life is a learning process. Absolutely. Um, Do you have parting thoughts for us beyond that? Uh, Listen to Ray Keating. (laughs) (laughs) I like you. You're a fine American. (laughs) And a good Lutheran pastor. (laughs) Uh, I really appreciate what you're doing here, Ray. I mean, um, I don't know exactly the reach of your audience, but I – I know that I cross paths with other uh, Lutheran writers who are inspired and motivated by you, and and you seem to know what you're talking about. You've been in this long enough now, and you've had enough success with it to uh, to be a, a reputable resource. And so, yeah, I mean that in in jest, but also with that uh, big big chunk of honesty. Um, this is a good thing you're doing, sir. Well, I, I appreciate it. Um, no, thanks, Tyrell. I, I really do appreciate that. And I hope there's, that's the, the you, you know, I, am I enjoying what I'm doing? Yes. And hopefully there's value to somebody out there. And I always say with my novels, as long as somebody continues reading them, I'll continue writing them because I, you know, it's just such a joy for me to write them that the notion that somebody else will pick it up and read it and, and enjoy it is just fantastic. So that's, you know. Amen. But I appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, please like us on Facebook at Pastor Stephen Grant Novels and at Authors and Entrepreneurs. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Uh, and please uh, tune in to another new podcast of mine on my, in my economist life, uh, a Free Enterprise in Three Minutes. And again, you can listen and subscribe to that over at iTunes. My Pastor Stephen Grant Novels as well as Chuck versus the Business World are available in paperback and for the Kindle at Amazon.com. Signed copies at RayKeatingOnline.com. And until the next installment of Ray Keating's Authors and Entrepreneurs podcast, enjoy reading, enjoy writing, and enjoy entrepreneurship. God bless and take care.